0: Considering a donation to Rightly Dividing the Word. Whatever method you choose, thank you for supporting the work of the podcast Rightly Dividing the Word. We are committed to stewarding all gifts wisely toward the goal of proclaiming the holiness of God to as many people as possible. We take seriously our God-given responsibility to be a wise, honorable steward of every donation we receive. back to the podcast for another episode, Rightly Dividing the Word. Uh, Today is going to be exciting because we're going to journey down the road to unpack what is faith. I think that's a big question in the world of Christians today and in the churches. But not only what is faith, but what is the object of faith? Now again, just want to let you know you may hear some clicking in the background. That is just uh, me pulling up documents that I want to look up and uh, things that we're going to use today to help you understand. Okay, all right. So our very first subject that we want to take a peek at is what is faith and what does that mean for the Christian? Now faith really is it's a constant uh, outlook of trust towards God. So we're constantly an outlook of trust towards God. whereby human beings abandon all reliance on their own efforts. Now, listen to that. Be careful that you hear that. Human beings abandon all reliance on their own efforts and put their full confidence in Him, His Word, and His promises. Now, what I'm about to say is going to hurt some Christians, and I understand that. But I'm telling you, you cannot... Trust or have faith in a God if you don't know his words and his promises. That's very clear in the Bible. That's clear in the text. It's clear in the scripture. And uh, I don't think saying that is outside the word of God either. So again, you can't have full confidence in him and his word and his promises if you've never read his word and you don't know his promises, which are his covenants. A covenant is a promise that he's going to keep. You can't understand that if you don't rightly understand God. So again, remember, we have to be careful that we're not believing in something that we don't understand ourselves because we don't know the truth. And I think that is where the issue lies. And that's why I wanted to do this study. Now, we're going to look at some themes of following faith. Uh, What is the nature of faith? What is the basis of salvation of faith? What is the necessity of faith? The blessings of God and faith, the origins of faith, the growth in faith, and the testing of faith. Very first thing I want to look at is the nature of faith. So it's that we have confidence in and commitment to God and Jesus Christ. Now, these attitudes remain sure even though the objects of faith are unseen. So true faith is seen in obedient action. So listen to that true faith is seen in obedient action and then a love and a continuing of good works. All right. So let's look at what is the object of faith? Um, Well, the real object of faith is God is the object of faith. So I want to be clear about that. Uh, More importantly, uh, that we see God as the object of faith. Now, the first verse that we're going to look at is going to be uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. So, I want to give you guys a second just to get turned there because it's really important that you go look at this um, and that you're not just hearing me read it, but I want you to read it yourself uh, so that you can see the text and it'll make more sense for you. So, if you could, go ahead and turn over to your Bibles in uh, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6. And let's look here at our first section of scripture about what is uh, faith. Now, we see in this text, um, it says, and without faith, it is impossible to please him for the one who comes to God must believe that he exists and that he proves to be one who rewards those who seek him. Now, again, I'm saying it, uh, I can't be clear enough. If you are not seeking God in his word, and you, and you believe in a God that you don't seek and that you don't understand His promises and His covenants, you are believing in a false God. You don't believe in the God of the Bible because you don't even know who He is. I think we, we got to be more serious about that. We have to be more honest with ourselves and be more complete to ourselves. that we, Are we studying the Bible the way we should so that we can understand what our faith is? because if you're just going to church on Sunday and you believe that that makes you a Christian then you've already you're already going to die a second death of under when man first dies the first thing we see is judgment on our first death you're already going to face a, a a horrible day because you're believing in something that's not even you don't even understand what it is uh, and for me it's hard to get that out because i teach a lot of uh different people even at my job i get an opportunity to teach by god's uh grace and mercy and his blessings um i'm given opportunities at a place that would never speak of christianity but i'm given opportunities to do so and uh every time i meet a christian and i'm i'm not even making this up they literally have never read the bible They don't understand scripture. They don't even know what basic biblical hermeneutics is. And that has a lot to do with what the church is doing today. Uh, We are just preaching a sermon that goes on, drones on for one hour, and then we send our people out the door. There's no classroom environment after service. There should always be a teaching uh, opportunity for the hearers that after class, they could join a class to teach them further because the pastor just doesn't get that time to be with those people so it's important that we know the bible and we can't do that if we're not studying the bible so there lies our first issue okay so again let's look at this verse and read it one more time it's hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 and without faith it is impossible to please him For the one who comes to God must believe that he exists and that he proves to be one who rewards those who seek him. So we have to seek him, okay? Now, what does it mean, that the cross-reference, we'll see there where it says one for the one who comes to God. So Hebrews chapter 7, a cross-reference in verse 19, it says, For the law made nothing perfect. On the other hand, there is the introduction of better hope. Through which we come near to god so just shows you that we are to come near to god that's a cross re- cross reference from chapter 11 verse 6 uh switch over to hebrews chapter 7 verse 19 as a good cross reference for the word that says the one who comes to god must believe so i uh, just want to really show you this is really what we're seeing here that we are to seek him we are to come near to him draw near to him we can only do that through right study correct look i want to say this um i'm not sure i just i don't want to sound like we're beating up the christian but honestly just take a look at your week so look at your monday to your sunday and just make a judgment on yourself Uh, not that i judge you or anybody uh listening to this will judge you but honestly ask yourself the question From Monday to Sunday, how much time have I spent in the Word? And I want you to write down the amount of hours you've spent studying. And then I want you to write down from Monday to Sunday the amount of hours that you've spent in the world, whether that's TV, uh going out and uh, you know, doing things in the world that we don't have to do, but we choose to do. It's different when you have things you have to do, you know, family. Uh, I wouldn't add those things. I'm talking about things that we seek to desire ourselves: TV, movies, hours and music, uh, you know, doing things that just have nothing to do with proclaiming the gospel or learning how to do that or studying how to do that or studying God or studying Christ or studying how to interpret scripture. Just really take it upon yourself to Ask yourself, what is my faith in? Is my faith in this world and in the money system of the world? Or is my faith truly based on the gospel? Is it based in Christ of the Bible? Or is it a different Christ? Is it the God of the Bible? Or is it a different God? And I'm not doing this to beat the Christian up. I'm not here to do that. I'm here to help you grow because I know that this is what you're facing. Because I know I've been there myself the same way you have been, where I spent hours playing video games and hours just laying in bed watching TV all day. But then when I read the word of God, I see clear that we are not to seek our own desires. So now let's go to our next scripture because I don't want to drone on about that and make the Christian feel you know, horrible today. I want you to feel convicted, uh, but I want scripture to do that to you. I don't want to be the one to make you feel convicted. I want God to convict you. So we're going to do that through Scripture. So turn to uh, Psalm chapter 25, and let's look quickly at verses 1 and 2. And uh, I think this is going to kind of clear some things up. And it's going to clear up what we were talking about, what we're to do, uh, who we're to trust, who our faith is in. And uh, let's look now. So chapter 25 of Psalm verse 1-2. To you, Lord, I lift up my soul. Verse 2 my God, and you I trust. Do not let me be ashamed. Do not let my enemies rejoice over me. Very clear. Okay. It's not a confusing text. We don't really have to dig out and say, oh, well, what is this really saying? I think the text is clear, so I'm not really going to Try to go on too much about this okay but it's just an expression of trust if you look at verses one through three if you want to read three to yourself real quick but just look at verses 25 one through three it's just an expression of trust the psalm opens by expressing confidence in the lord and then we have the request of verse two which is reaffirmed as assurance in god okay now turn over with me next page and in, in your bible and look at chapter 26 verse 1 very important text. Vindicate me, Lord, for I have walked in my integrity and I have trusted in the Lord without wavering. Man, that's a beautiful text. This is a beautiful text. The word trusted. Now there's some cross cross references here. We have a cross reference for the word trusted in Psalm 13, five. Okay. So if you look at Psalm chapter 13, verse five, it says, but I have trusted in your faithfulness. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. Man, these are beautiful texts. These are I just love the Bible. I love reading the Bible. It's, it's really amazing to see what God has done for us through his redemptive history, his redemptive work. Because for me, when people ask me, what is the Bible? I always tell them, my answer is very simple. It's redemption every time. Look at Exodus. Look at the, the people in Exodus being brought to redemption, to a land, to have a people, to have a... a a um a setting up of a nation. Look at Paul. Martyring Christians. Redemption. He gets saved. Sal- salvation is brought unto him in a prison. Psalm 13.5 is showing us that our faith has to remain in Christ and God. Psalm 28. Look at Psalm 28, chapter 28, verse 7. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him and I am helped. Therefore... My heart triumphs. Man, those are be- big, beautiful, huge words that mean so much. Triumph means to just be with great celebration. And with my song, I shall thank him. This is, this is a great text. So these are just cross-references to the verse we were looking at there. In the word where it says, And I have trusted in the Lord without wavering. So again, it's very clear. Now this uh, these texts that we see here, if you look at verses 2 and 3... It says, examine me, Lord, and put me to the test. Refine my mind and my heart, for your goodness is before my eyes, and I have walked in your truth. So if you read the rest of verses 2 and and 3 in chapter 26, this is just a prayer for vindication. So asking for God to vindicate the worshiper, and that is for God to distinguish between the faithful and the impious. So perhaps there is an additional nuance of showing distinction between like publicly and the faithful are those who that take the covenant to heart. And again, remember, I said it earlier that God's promises are the covenant and we need to take that to heart. So it's a general pattern of life have walked in their integrity and have trusted in the Lord without wavering. They also keep God's steadfast love before their eyes and walk in God's faithfulness. They live by the grace revealed in the scriptures. And what grace are they living by? Turn to your Bibles in Exodus uh, chapter 34 and verse 6. Another great cross-reference. Then the Lord passed by in front of him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in faithfulness and truth. Great cross-reference. That's what they live by, the grace that was revealed. So again, if you don't understand Scripture... You don't read your Bible. You don't know how to do basic biblical interpretation. Even if you read your Bible, let me say this more clear. If I read my Bible and I don't understand how to interpret scripture, the who, what, when, where, why, answer those first five questions before you go anywhere else. Do all your cross-referencing. Once you chase down all your cross-referencing, then go do your biblical uh, hermeneutics, which is chasing down... The observation, observe the text, who's in the text, why are they in the text, what place are they in, why are they there, what's going on in that town, what kind of money did that town have, did they even have a coin, uh, what kind of food did they eat, all of this stuff becomes important to our interpretation, why, because it gives us context, if you're just taking verses out of the Bible and trying to use those to fit your agenda, you're only practicing eisegesis. You're not doing exegesis. Exegesis is extracting the text to make it understandable for your hearer. I can't say that enough. That is the number one issue we have in the church that most of the churches, and I'm saying most because, yes, I study churches. That's my job in seminary school. I am biblical uh, uh, background in Old Testament history and interpretation from Crown College. And I've also been to Old Testament. Um, our daily bread university the masters university and i'm currently attending wvbs but my job is to look at the church and see what they're really doing and i've studied 48 churches in lakeland florida and none of them do exegesis they just read the word i don't even know if they understand it themselves and that's so dangerous that the christian is walking into these churches and being fed um and almost already dead food So it's just crazy to me that we're not doing our jobs to understand how to extract the text. We as Christians need to know that ourselves so that we don't have to rely on someone else to feed us. Okay. God will feed us. The Holy Spirit is our teacher. It is not man. Yes, a man can be put behind a pulpit and he can preach a sermon and teach a people. If he is blessed and called to do that work by God, then yes, he will. But a lot of the churches are not doing that, which is uh, something that we we need another reformation, really. I don't know who the next reformer is going to be, but someone's going to have to do it. The church has just fallen so badly apart. All right, so let's continue on. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 29 uh, and verse 25. I just want to look there briefly. So again, we're going to go to Proverbs chapter 29. And verse 25, we're going to look briefly at this. Now, again, we're still on the object of faith, okay? So verse 25 says, The fear of man brings a snare, but the one who trusts in the Lord will be protected. Listen to that text. That should make you feel so good this morning. That should lift your spirits, your soul. That should bring you to salvation, that the fear of man brings a snare. And that's so true. I have a fear of heights. So when I'm at work, I work on planes. Um, and I get up there on top of that plane, uh, it just, it brings me a lot of fear, but I still do it, but it does kind of ensnare me because I I move, um, rather I move in fear because I'm afraid to fall. But when I trust in the Lord, I will be protected. Now that's, that's very true, but it's also not, well, uh, you know, if I walk into the projects of Chicago, I'm, I I won't be killed. Well, it's possible. But if I ensnare myself around evil people, there's a good chance that I could be killed, um, because we have free will. So God's not going to stop that evil man from pulling his gun and shoot me, but he's also not going to stop me from walking into that neighborhood. So again, we got to understand God's will for our life, and we have to understand free will. If you don't understand those two subjects, then you're just gonna you're gonna go back and forth on not understanding who God is. Okay, this protection means that we are protected. In our, in our spirit sense, uh, as the Holy Spirit lives inside of us, God lives in us, He protects us, okay? So I just don't want you to get too wrapped up in that. But again, it's a very important text because look, but the one who trusts in the Lord will be protected. That's the important part of that text, that we trust in God, we trust in the God of the Bible, Christ the Bible. Now, I want to look at um, what it means that true faith cannot be secondhand, I don't know if you've heard this before, but I think this is important. So, to look at this, we're going to go to 2 Timothy, and we're going to look at chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, okay? So, 2 Timothy, chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. I will read those to you, and you just follow along. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of life in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God, whom I serve with a clear conscience, the way my forefathers did, as I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day, longing to see you even as I recall your tears so that I may be filled with joy, for I am mindful of the sincere faith within you which first dwelled in your grandmother, Los, and your mother, Inais, and I am sure that it is in you as well. Now, we see this. This is a true faith cannot be second hand. OK, our faith has to come from first being in the grace and mercy and peace from God. OK, and he states that first. OK, so if you look at this, um, the very first opening, Paul opens this letter in the standard way. But as he awaits his death, he reminds Timothy that the purpose of his apostleship has been to proclaim the gospel, which is the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. That's verses 1 and 2. Okay, He's talking clearly about Christ. But our faith cannot come from by second hand. It has to come first hand to us. Now what is faith and assurance? Well assurance c- accompanies your faith. So when you have true faith and you trust in the true Christ of the Bible. The true God of the Bible. Bible you'll have assurance that will come along with that faith. Now that was very clear if we go back to let's look at Romans um let's go to Romans chapter four and verse nineteen. Okay. Chapter four and verse nineteen. I'm gonna just I just want to look at a text that's really gonna show us. Listen here to what it says. Without becoming weak in faith, he contemplated his own body, now as good as dead, since he was about a hundred years old, and the deadness of Sarah's wombs. Sarah's womb. So, again, we see that this assurance accompanies the faith. Okay, now let's look at verse uh, 20 and 21. Yet, yeah, with respect to the promise of God, he did not waver in unbelief, but grew strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully assured. Now, there's your word. See, he was fully assured. His assurance came by his strong growth in faith. Okay, so he was fully assured that, That what God had promised, ah, there's the word promise, there's your covenants, he was able to perform. Okay, so it's very amazing. This text is like almost a perfect uh, text to show us what it means to have assurance accompanying faith. Now, faith may be mixed uh, with doubt. Uh, Simon Peter had that. The father of the boy with an evil spirit had that. And Thomas had that. But I want to talk about something I feel is more important, about faith and obedience. Now, I think that is uh, something that we need to understand. The faith as a trust in what is unseen. Uh, So go over to the book of John. And let's look at John chapter 20, verse 29. Just one verse here It says, Jesus said to him, because you have seen me, have you believed? Question mark. Blessed are those who did not see and yet believed. And that would be us, that we believe without seeing. So faith and a trust and what is unseen. And then not only that, but our faith and obedience, uh, the true faith is demonstrated in obedience. So go over to Romans uh, chapter 1. Let's look at verse 5 here. It says, Through whom we have received grace and apostleship. To bring about the obedience of faith among all the Gentiles for his name's sake. The obedience of faith. So another question for the Christian is, do you have obedience in your... Are you having faith and obedience? Or is it just a, a weak faith? But what are examples of obedient faith? Well, you have Noah when he built the ark. Abraham leaves Haran. And Abraham offers Isaac. We also, Moses parts the sea, he had faith that he could do that. Um, and then you have Joshua at the river, Jordan, Joshua, at Jericho, uh, Jesus Christ's disciples when they were fishing, uh, Paul had uh, obedience and faith. Now, why is faith such a, an important subject? Well, I think it's because it's the number one thing that Christians struggle with. So both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, faith is the only basis of salvation. Faith is the means by which God's grace in Christ and with him the blessings of salvation is received. So Paul's doctrine of justification by faith emphasizes the centrality of faith in the Christian life. So salvation by faith in the Old Testament, which what we saw the faith of Abraham and other individuals, Abraham, the father of those righteous by faith, uh noah was faithful but then we have salvation is by faith in what jesus christ so being lifted up is a reference to jesus christ's death on the cross okay so the necessity of our outward confession as an evidence of personal faith in jesus christ so jesus christ is the end of the law in the sense that he brings it to its goal and fulfillment and then and accomplishes its intentions okay so salvation is for those who persevere in their faith. We have to have perseverance. We have to continue in the faith and we have to struggle with the faith and continue to do so. So let's look at a, one little text that I want to kind of point out. Go back to uh, Hebrews and we're going to look here at Hebrews chapter 3 verse 14. So let's look at this text. For we have become partakers of Christ if we keep the beginning of our commitment firm until the end okay listen until you are dead you must continue in the faith it's not just for a little while and then I can go back to living in the world and do what i want we have to continue in our faith continue in our belief and saving faith shows itself in action go over to james and look at let's look at james uh it's going to be chapter 2 and verse 14 okay Now, what does this say? What use is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone says he has faith but has no works? Can that faith save him? And that question is no. Faith equals works. So if I find a Christian, I can find a Christian. Actually, it wouldn't even be a Christian, but I can find somebody who has works but no faith. But you should never find somebody who has faith and no works. That would be dangerous. Because faith equals works and salvation, okay? Our faith makes us stewards and good stewards because we believe in a righteous Christ and a just just God and a merciful and graceful God. So that is what gives us our abundance of works, okay? Um, And these works could be anything. Could be what I'm doing right now or it could be that you teach a class at church on uh, Sunday that you are a teacher there. That's that's a work. Uh, we're doing something for the people of God. Um. So then I want to look at what is the necessity of faith? What 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 is that? What is that? It's a well, basically, it's a fundamental duty for all people, and the necessary response to God's self-revelation. The only channel through which God's blessings may be received. Okay, and it's the only means by which life may be made meaningful in the relationship with god and then god's self-revelation leaves no excuse for unbelievers now i want to get this across because i know that there's going to be some people who listen to this podcast that are not believers so god's self-revelation leaves no excuse for unbelievers let's let's see how why is that true go over to john chapter 14 we're going to look at verse 8 through 11 so john chapter 14 verses 8 through 11 I'll start reading philip said to him lord show us the father and it is enough for us jesus said to him i have been with you for so long a time and yet you have not come to know me philip the one who has sent me has seen the father how can you say show us the father do you not believe that i am the father and the father is in me the words that i say to you i do not speak on my own but the father as he remains in me, does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and that the Father is in me. Otherwise, believe because of the works themselves. So again, we just see God's self-revelation is leaving no excuse for man. Go to Psalm 19, uh, chapter uh, chapter 19, verse 4. Let's look at this text. Psalm 19, uh, verse 4. So as we look at Psalm 19, verse four, uh, it says, "Their line has gone out into all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them, He has placed a tent for the sun." Now, what do, what do we see here? Well, it's God's self-disclosure. Psalm 19:1, "The heavens tell of the glory of God, and their expanse declares the work of His hands." Okay. So, our understanding of God stems from three ways that He discloses Himself to us. We have general revelation through His creation, which we have in Psalm 19, 1-6, and then His special revelation through His Word, which is Psalm 19, 7-11. Then, His particular work in our lives, Psalm 19, 12-14. So, David had gained a coherent framework for understanding life by looking at God's world the word and his inner world. Psalm 19 just exemplifies an integrated understanding of life through looking back and forth, up and down, outward and inward. So we gain the same insights when we use the Psalms to consider God's glorious universe, his infallible word, and then his constant activity within us. I think that is the best way to speak about Psalm 19. It is God's self disclosure to to us as a, as a people. Um, he is disclosing Himself uh, so that we can know Him, uh, and we can't hide from that. Even as unbelievers, uh, you are bound unto the text. Uh, and I always use this analogy: uh, we know the gravity exists because if I jump off a two hundred story building, when I hit the ground, I'll be dead. Now, even if I yelled down to you with a megaphone and whoever was down there said, hey, I don't believe in gravity, I'm going to jump and survive. Everyone on the ground floor knows when I hit the ground, I'm going to be dead. Well, why is that? Because we know that gravity exists. Even if I don't believe in it, it's still going to exist. I don't care who doesn't believe in gravity. If you jump, you're going to die. Especially from that high, a 200-story building, you are not going to make it. That is God. He... No matter whether, whether you believe in him or not, it doesn't change him. It changes your outcome. So by not having true faith and not believing in the God of the Bible because you choose not to study him and know his attributes and know his covenants and know his promises, it doesn't change his outcome. It only changes yours. He's infallible. He's inherent. His word is inerrant. He's um, He's immutable. He can't be changed. The word immutable means unchangeable. There's no way to possibly ever change. Uh, he's immutable. Uh, so it's important that we know God, that we know the Bible, that we have our true faith in God. Faith in God is the basis for peace. Faith in God is necessary to receive God's blessings. Faith in, is necessary to avoid God's judgment. Um, And then, not only that, the actions not springing from faith are sinful. Listen to that. That's uh, not good for us to hear. Our actions that are not springing from faith are sinful. And yes, it's as clear as that. Well, if my actions aren't coming from faith, then they are sinful. Yes. How do we know that? Look over to Romans chapter 14 and look at verse 23, the very last text in that that, uh, chapter. But the one who doubts is condemned if he eats because he is eating not from faith and whatever is not from faith is sin that's very clear i don't even need to interpret that that text is does not need interpretation you could look at the text before that or even read the whole entire chapter before that read chapter 13 and 14 together that might help you tie up some stuff But there's nothing in here I need to look at to say, well, is he really saying that? No, no one should eat unclean food if he has doubts about the rightness of the activity. So indeed, anything believers do apart from faith is sin, for faith glorifies God by trusting in him, and a lack of faith dishonors him. So if you trust in God and you believe in him, you have faith in the actual God of the Bible, not just some God you hear about on Sunday. That faith glorifies God by trusting him but a lack of faith dishonors him. Look at chapter four in Romans in verse 20. Yet with respect of the to the promise of God, he did not waver in unbelief, but grew strong in faith, giving glory to God. Very simple. These, these That's why it's important that we study the Bible because it makes clear the truth that we need to know. It's not confusing. That, none of those texts are hard to understand. If you have a false faith, you're in danger it's very simple it's not 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 hard to get that i don't understand why we can't study the bible and trust me your devotional studying is not studying the bible if you wake up every morning and you just read the bible and you have a devotional bible that is not bible study bible study is when you are um, extracting the text you're asking the who what when where and why you're answering those questions and getting the answer to those questions you're drawing the bridge for yourself from the historical background, the cultural background, the linguistic background, the, the, the language of those who are speaking at this time. That is Bible study. There's nothing wrong with devotional reading. I do it every day. I have a, every day I go through, uh, every 90 days I complete the Bible. I have a, a read the Bible in 90 days and I've, I've done that four times already this year so you know it's okay to do that i'm just getting the word in me but really we need to study the bible that's what helps us bring us closer to have a stronger faith um and that's just something that we need to do and then also we see that a lot of good ministries like ligonier ministries uh, grace to you church john MacArthur's church these powerful ministries are marked by their faith okay so you'll see a lot of that in the good churches that we have, that their faith is a gift from God. Faith comes through God's word. Listen to that. So, uh, you know, if you want to have faith, you have to hear God's word, You have to read it. You have to understand it. You have to wrestle with it. But faith also, also comes through a personal encounter with Jesus Christ in the, in the text. You have to have that personal encounter with him. Faith uh, would come through witnessing miracles um now that faith we would only get from the text uh, when we see those miracles in the Bible that brings us the faith to know that, that Christ can heal people the miracle at the wedding feast uh, Jesus Christ heals an official's son, the raising of Lazarus when he was dead, uh, the raising of Tabitha, those kind of things but also I want this is my last point that I'm going to draw home our faith, is based on the knowledge of God. I want to end with this point because it's the biggest point. Our faith is based on our knowledge of God. The knowledge of God's faithfulness leads to faith. Listen to that. The knowledge of God's faithfulness leads to faith. We have to know God. The knowledge of God's achievements lead to faith. So ask yourself the question, how much do I know about the Bible? How often do I study the Bible? How often do I read the Bible? And I want i to want again go back to that challenge. I want you to take a look this week and write out how many hours you spent not reading the Bible, studying the Bible. That's where you have your study Bible out, your cross-references out, um, you know, a, a dictionary to look up words so that you can start to do word studies in the Bible. And then look at how many hours you spend living your life. Living in the world. And then you're going to see, well, okay, I have a problem with my faith. Because I'm not studying and, and I have no knowledge of God. And if a knowledge of God is what our our faith is based on, then I simply don't have faith. It's very easy to understand that. And again, I don't want to drone on and make the Christian feel so pushed down that they they can't. They feel like they, they're not going to be able to accomplish this. But I do want you to feel convicted by God's word. So we're going to look at one more text and uh, see if this will help us out. Let's go over to Acts. Uh, we're going to look at chapter 2, verses 25 and 26. Let's go to Acts. Chapter 2, verses 25 and 26 for david says of him i saw the lord continually before me because he is at my right hand so that i will not be shaken therefore my heart was glad and my tongue was overjoyed moreover my flesh also will live in hope so a knowledge of god's faithfulness leads to faith so we can see this is very clear in this text of peter as the text was pointing to the resurrection of jesus noting that david spoke to god uh not abandoning him to death and then he reasoned that because David died, uh the psalm must have been speaking about the one um the one of his descendants, uh, since Jesus is the only one who conquered death and is a descendant of David, he must be the promised Messiah whom David foresaw. So again it's a it's a knowledge of faithfulness that leads to faith. I just want to end with the point there that we we have to know who God is. And uh, that's what I'm here to help you really do is uh, just kind of draw home these texts so that you can see the text. Uh, you can go study them yourself and look them up and uh, really start to dig into the Word and uh, come to a true faith. Again, I want to thank you for listening to the podcast. And uh, we hope that you can support the podcast with a donation. Uh, right now, Anchor is offering me an opportunity to allow you to donate monthly. I'm not sure what those are. I believe it starts at like a dollar a month up to four ninety nine a month and then nine ninety nine nine ninety nine a month. And uh we would love for you to donate if you have that in your finances and uh could do that so that we can continue to get equipment for our show and uh continue to teach those who listen to this podcast. Thank you guys for coming. And before we go, I'm gonna lead us out in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you, Lord, today to uh, hear your word and uh, listen to your word. And I hope that the hearers have heard your word and understood the text and understand that they need to come to know you, the true God of the Bible. They need to know the true Christ of the Bible. And I hope that they come today just hearing in their hearts that they need to draw closer to you Uh, because the closer they are to you, the stronger their faith will be in you. So I would just hope that you could bless them to grow their faith and to come to know you more and closer and more intimately through your text, Lord, that they would seek you and not their own flesh and not the world, that they may seek the Bible. We pray this this prayer in your son's name, Jesus Christ, amen.